This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Andrew Ferreira chats about China's Mars rover. Yes, they have one too. Big steps towards space tourism if you're loaded, and how lucky we are to see eclipses today and what really happens around this. Pretty cool stuff. We also chatted with Andy Barrar about how he plans to help his community with a community garden, blueberries, and more. And are you okay with yearbook photos? In this case, the storyline is they're being edited to make everyone look more modest. Are you okay? Are you okay with baristas? Yeah, I miss them, actually. I just read this big, long thing about, I forget what they called it, micro-friendships that are gone now because of the pandemic. Uh, Like those like baristas that you see every day that you don't necessarily know their real name, but you see them every day. So I kind of, part of me misses that, for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm with you there. I mean, I get to, I go to a lot of coffee shops near my house, so I do get to see them often but you know it's different without seeing the smile on their face or anything and i also have a really simple order i just a large latte i don't put anything in it so i think they're grateful for that so it's usually a you know a nice little time for chat or no chat if they're in the mood but i would say very rarely do i meet a barista that's not like you can't have a pleasant conversation with you know Mm. they also give you coffee and that's pretty awesome yep Not to be forgotten. A former barista went viral for posting what just might be the most insane Starbucks order of all time. It's why I don't buy the Frappy Lappy Tappies, because I don't I don't speak Starbucks. According to Inside Edition, Josie Morales was working at Starbucks when an order came in for a 13 ingredient drink. 13 ingredients. Morales posted the recipe, which includes five bananas, caramel drizzle, whipped cream, seven pumps of dark caramel sauce, and one pump of honey blend. Here is more. This is Inside Edition. Josie Morales was working at Starbucks when he got the order for the Edward, and he could not believe it. He posted the recipe on social media with these words. On today's episode of Why I Want to Quit My Job. The recipe quickly went viral. Suddenly across the USA, obnoxious customers everywhere were ordering the Edward and driving Starbucks baristas nuts. Josie ended up being fired for violating the company's social media policy. Do you have any regrets about posting the picture? Um, no, because I feel like it brought... Uh, some light upon like how crazy you know orders can be. So who started the crazy craze? This guy, and yep, his name really is Edward. People are gonna look at this and they're gonna say, "What kind of jerk orders something like that from a barista, a hardworking barista at Starbucks?" So I don't consider myself a jerk, especially if you tip well. So you know, five dollar tip. I feel like that's probably almost thirty percent. Our cameras were there when the now ex-barista met Edward for the first time since that jaw-dropping order. This is Josie. What's up, man? How's it going? Nice to meet you, man. It's bygones be bygones. Meantime, the Edward is now the coolest drink out there. At Tanner's Coffee in Culver City, California, they showed us how it's done. All right, today we're going to be making the Edward. We're going to start with the bananas because there's five of them. Ingredient number two, extra caramel drizzle. You can't have too much. You don't want to see through the cup. And after a lot of work... Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. To the Edward. Uh, 
<laughs> Wait, whoa. He said $5 tip. That's like 30%. So that means you're telling me that that's a $15 drink? Yeah, 100% that's a $15 drink. Why would you pay $15 for a Starbucks drink? And then like 20 bucks a day. Do you know how much money that is? Excuse me. Turn the lights off. Get off my lawn. Where did my cardigan go? Do you realize how much money that is? Even if you only bought it on work days, five days a week, that's $5,200 a year for the Edward. There's no way that that guy drinks that every day because that has to be thousands of calories in one cup. I, and I can't imagine like a drink with seven pumps of caramel that can't be, that's gotta be like a treat every now and then. And also tipping five bucks every day too. Whatever happened to just black coffee? <laughs> Holy, I feel so bad. I wonder how long it takes to make. Uh, one Five second minutes, here. 10 minutes. If you just go through inflation and investing, if even if it was, like I know you're gonna kick out of this. Even if no, it I was just, uh, uh, what'd you say? You said Once fifty-two week. weeks, one of these a week, so eighty dollars a month. Say five a month, twelve hundred dollars a year, right? Because maybe you get one on the weekend. So even if it's twenty dollars, and if you do just a basic interest calculator on this, just a basic interest calculator, it's worth almost four thousand dollars twenty years from now. Like investors will tell you this. Investors will tell you if you are going to make a financial decision about something, here's the decision you make. Multiply it by five because that's how much it's going to be worth by the time you retire. So if you go and you say you want to like, I'm going to buy a car, right? If you buy that car for $10,000 today, that means you're going to retire with $50,000 less. That's the calculation. That's the average basic Put it out there. If you don't spend the five, the $10,000, you're going to have $50,000 extra dollars. So the course of your life, you buy a couple of cars, you buy this, you buy that, so on, right? So that's what, they, that's what they say. So if you're willing to say, I'm going to spend 20 bucks on a drink, that's $100 a drink, $100 a day you're going without when you retire. That's mind-blowing to me. Well, I realize that's very old of me, but it's very also financially smart. Mm-hmm. There's always this argument that I used to think was silly where older people would always be like, this is why millennials can't afford homes. They need to stop spending all this money on coffee. And I would always be like, well, that's kind of a silly argument until I heard this story. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. What the, the, the moral of the story here is don't be an Edward. <laughs> don't be that guy. If you think that you need 15 ingredients or 13 ingredients in your Starbucks order, you can probably trim it down to five or just kick it old school. Go to Denny's and have a black coffee, coffee and, a waf and a waffle. You buy a $20 coffee pot and you buy a $20, $15 can of coffee. And then if you really want to splurge and get high tech, you spend $10 on a power block from Handy Andy Barrar that controlled by your smart device, and you can turn on your coffee from bed. Ooh, I need to get that. Oh, you that don't know about good. that story? Oh, yeah, right. You, that's what, he has you weren't money. here for that. Yeah, Ooh. no, that's what I do. So I, I have this, like, stupid coffee pot that all it has is an on switch. And so I make my coffee before I go to bed, and then I leave it there. And then when I wake up in the morning, because depending on the day, we wake up at different times with the shift. So 
Uh, when I wake up, I go onto my home app on my phone. I hit the coffee pot and click turns on. By the yeah. time I get up, get downstairs, my coffee's ready. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I need that. Ten bucks. Ten bucks. So twenty dollar coffee pot, ten dollars for the device thing, and you are, uh, and they're cheaper if you're an Android user, and you um and you for thirty bucks. I mean, you're gonna spend like some people spend two hundred dollars on a coffee pot. This is making me angry. <sighs> this this is the only time I swear the only time you sound like an old man yelling on a lawn is when we're talking about spending money on coffee or food. That's oh, it. So stupid. And me and my shoes. But I do I do I do ask you have to read the tweet that I included in this script. Okay. I will do that. Do uh that. before I get to that though I will say loving my black coffee from McDonald's. McDonald's coffee is good. Yes. Um All right. The Edward has encouraged baristas from all over the world to share their most insane orders. One Twitter uh, user shared this gem. I was behind the woman who had an order that was ridiculous and insisted it be heated to 37 degrees Celsius, not 36, not 38. I will know the difference, this person said. Starbucks employee asked for her name. She replied, sexy vivacious. <laughs> Don't be as sexy vivacious either. Need to get out more, man. Yeah. Like seriously. Yeah. Wow. Well, coffee is the uh, gateway drug to Lego and sneakers, so that's probably a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can vouch for that. It's gateway spending. <laughs> oh, that's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah. That's all, right. where it all started, man. Nope. Are you okay? Are you okay with yearbooks? I feel like they're a necessary evil. Um, mm. You have to see where you've came from. You do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's a great way of putting it. I love my yearbooks. Mm. Yeah. And because I was in drama, there's so many pictures of me on stage and all that. And I don't do that anymore. So it's actually a really amazing thing to reflect on. And also, yeah. man, I my haircut in high school was not not okay so it's fun to put fun at that <laughs> but it, it takes that content i mean it's, it is different because kids today will have all kinds of photos on their phones but i'm guessing that a lot of the young people aren't archiving them the same way yeah. that parents do because parents uh learn how to archive that's what you do with kid photos you learn how to archive and then but a a, a yearbook for you, it's cool. For your kids, it's really cool. And because it's tangible, for your grandkids, amazing. You can see yourself as a kid and you're looking like, whoa, that's Grandpa Ryan. Look at him on stage for the Crucible. I didn't know he was a witch or something. <laughs> right? So, I mean, but that's cool for them. It's super cool. And you get to see how yeah. nerdy your grandparents or your parents were. Losers. <laughs> Because all their stories, they were the coolest, right? So you get to see, um, you know, how high those pants got pulled up and uh, those mom jeans when they were cool in high school, which is a new thing, by the way. Whole other topic. A high school in, you guessed it, Florida, is facing backlash after it edited photos of its students. Although this one is interesting of why they did it. According to News for Jax, the school digital, digital, the school did digital, digi, digi, digital, digital. The school di, <laughs> digital. 
<laughs> I don't know what that word is. The school group removed cleavage and covered the shoulders in yearbook photos deemed in violation of the student code of conduct. Many of the students of female, uh, maybe the photos of female students were digitally altered to make them digitally. That's what it is. That's that word. <laughs> digitally altered to make them mm-hmm. appear more modest. But the students say it was unnecessary and unfair. This is News for Jacks. Riley O'Keefe is a freshman at Bartram Trail High School. She said she was taken by surprise yesterday when she got a hold of the yearbook and noticed something different about her photo. There's a black box over my chest and my this cardigan on the side is like moved over and it looks really awkward and I was very confused. Her photo was altered by the school's yearbook committee and hers wasn't the only obvious edit. I didn't think I would have been censored. I thought it was only one or two girls. So I went to go look at my picture and I was appalled to see that I was censored. I went through the whole day wearing that shirt and nobody had said anything to me. Dozens of female student photos were censored, some more subtle than others. This student's photo was clearly edited to look like she's wearing a sweater in order to obscure her shoulders. Students had been warned about this on the school's yearbook webpage, which says all images in ads and all individual student pictures must be consistent with the St. John's County School District's student code of conduct or maybe digitally adjusted. O'Keefe says she honestly thought her outfit was not in violation of the policy as she was never approached about it and even had the outfit cleared by the office. It may be a little bit uncomfortable that that's what they noticed when they looked at our pictures. I think she's right. Uh, the yearbook, which costs about a hundred bucks, was released to students on Wednesday. Although the other young lady in the story who says, I just thought it was a couple of girls, but then I was mad when I found it. It was me, right? Like I had no problem when it wasn't me they edited. But if it's like, if it's, uh, slutty Susie over there, sure, she's pretty slutty. But if it's me, oh my God, I am not slutty. So why would you edit me? News 4 Jacks found the number of record violations in the St. John's County School District student dress code has skyrocketed during 2020-2021 school year and across the district. 78% of dress code violations go to female students. Uh, that is incredibly uh, unbalanced that that's the case because, I mean, dress codes typically uh, are about uh, the clothes that young women wear uh, for the most part, right? I mean, I don't know if some of the restrictions, what you put on men, sleeveless shirts and low-cut things and whatever, Sure. But the reality is, is that this is one of those things that you enforce in advance, especially if she got it cleared at the office. Yeah. What the heck? That, that's that's such a weird part of this. And it just seems like so much work for like a ridiculous reason. I, I, yeah, I don't know. A lot it, of work. It bothers me. It bothers me. The only time I ever saw a guy in my high school get called out over or have to go to the principal's office for uh, something he was wearing was a metal band t-shirt that had a phrase mm-hmm. on the back that I can't say on the radio. That's it. Every other time right. was a woman. And that's, that's some, some band shirts were kind of nasty back in the day, right? In today's world, you're probably going to get an F Trudeau. Some kid shows up and his dad's like, yeah, man, wear this for your school pictures. It'll be funny, man. <laughs> you know, stuff yep. like that. Right. Uh, so that'll be there. Uh, my son's friends picked up hats that were uh, make Canada Trudeau-less again. Um, so we had to have a hard conversation about, um, do you really know what's going on in politics? I said to him, I'm not going to defend the guy, but you need to know all sides here when you, before you make that decision. So, 
Uh, but it is kind of cool. I, I would like to say that young people are getting engaged in social statements, but they're really not. They're just seeing videos on TikTok and going, hey, cool hat, man, makes fun of Trump. But really, it actually doesn't, based on the messaging. It kind of, you know what I mean? This is the Shift Podcast. Andrew Ferreira is weird. So weird, he loves science more than sleep and other people. It's time for Andrew Ferreira's Weird Science. Well, the good news is, is we put one of those digital uh, keypads on the cage we keep Andrew in, so it's a little easier. We don't need the keys any longer. It's just a beep, boop, pop, beep, boop, boop to let him out, which is handy, although he does have um, opposing thumbs and can reach outside the cage and unlock himself now, which is also not good. Andrew, how are you? Good, good, good. I'm, I'm slowly working to memorize the digits. Nice. Um, there's lots going on in the world of science, my friend. Going to space. Do you want to talk about space rocks today? Should we talk about space rocks today? I do love talking about space rocks, especially for that one guy who hates me talking about space rocks. I do it for him. Yes. Um, um, nothing, though? No space rocks? No, 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 there's plenty of space rocks talk. Uh, but you wanted to touch on uh, what China's doing on the Mars. And uh, no, it's not weird bioterrorism before people start getting in my emails. Mm, uh, no, it's not. But they have a Mars rover. Yeah, they do have a Mars rover. Um, and it's, I, I don't want to say its name because I'm going to butcher it. I took Mandarin for three years. It will not help me here. Um, I only know like numbers, like one to 10. And like, I can say I have a strawberry in Mandarin and that's about it. Okay, go ahead. Feel free. Uh, I'm not going to do that. So the Chinese <sighs> Rover, um, uh, landed, uh, on the surface of Mars, uh, last Friday and it's been kind of. Uh, sorry, a couple weeks ago, sorry, and it started to roll out last Friday. Uh, it's been there for a couple weeks now, just kind of chilling and doing the, you know, requisite robotic checks. Um, and, you know, with the luxury that we have of NASA's open access to information, we saw what that process looked like uh, for NASA, where it was, you know, a lot of instruments kind of flexing their instrument muscles um, and a lot of cameras doing camera things and a lot of v -v motors doing their v -v things. Um, but, uh, the Chinese space agency, along with their general pall of secrecy, um, over how they do things, they, we don't know anything really about, uh, their rollout or, um, their, their checking procedures. But what we do know is that on Friday, it finally, uh, the little rover finally rolled off of its, uh, its pedestal safely onto the Martian surface. Um, and so some pictures came out, um, over the weekend here, uh, released by the Chinese, uh, National Space Administration. Uh, showing, you know, uh, front and rear camera views of, of the lander that it came down on. And it's it's on the surface now. So it's actually ready to start doing science, I would think. Um, they're probably going to be releasing uh, more images as testing goes online and as data comes back. Um, but it's interesting because now we have, uh, for the first time, really, like a true international motley assortment of, of, of robots doing their thing in and around the Red Planet. Um, of course, we've got uh, NASA's Perseverance rover and its helicopter. Uh, you know, yes, reminder, there's a helicopter on Mars that flies on its own, if, in case you forgot about that insane thing. Um, cool. But there's also uh, the Hope Orbiter by the United Arab Emirates in partnership with a couple of U.S. colleges uh, doing atmospheric analysis, and the first data from that uh, actually came out just over the weekend as well. 
Um, and not only that, but there's also the Mars, uh, the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter. Um, I believe one of India's orbiters is still around uh, in orbit on the planet. And of course, there is uh, Mars. Ex I don't know if Mars Express is still running. I have a lot of missions in my head, and I lose track of when they go on and off. But there's well, it's, a handful of I, now I, I of, of push nations. Push, push pause right there, Andrew, for a second. So just to be clear, because I'm not sure that that we're clear in the fact that, like, I think it was 2012, Curiosity went up there, then Perseverance from America went up there, and that's the one that had all the hubbub. Yep. But really, right in its heels is a whole other rocket machine thing from China that took um, China's up there, and now they have their own spaceship that landed on on mars and they're driving around their remote control dune buggies and so i mean there there's a lot more going on here and i i and as long as i have that clear please confirm that but i yeah. um i'm just i want everyone to understand that this is a good example of really great marketing and propaganda because we don't hear about all of these other things going on right and so it's interesting to know that really on the heels of america doing it there's china yeah, and you know, just uh, there was one mistake. They're not remote controlled at all, right? Oh, um, okay. They're not Thanks. remote. Um, the uh, hey, we strive for we strive for factual information here. Um, it's true. That's the, fair uh, enough. But I was the, summarizing, sort of. Yes, yes. But, yeah. The command lines are are kind of compiled here on Earth and then pushed to the rover, and then we kind of see what it does with the information, and then we use that information to choose the next set of commands. Sure. Uh, so that's kind of okay. how that works. Um, but now you do. And knowledge is power. I feel like we should have like an audio stinger for that, but whatever, that's okay. Um, knowledge is power. Like the old LeVar Burton reading Rainbow thing, maybe, or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, so it's, it, it is a busy time, though, um, in and around Mars. And this is the first time we've really had, you know, a whole uh, smorgasbord of... Uh, uh, of of probes and rovers and landers and data takers and uh, pencil pushers, maybe Phil is up there. I haven't seen him in a while. Um, there's a lot going on right now, and for the first time in human history, we're starting to see this kind of race to space happening. Not for the moon, but uh, of course that's going to heat up in the next couple of years. Just you watch, uh, but it's spreading to the uh, you know to planets that aren't even remotely in our in our neighborhood and i just think that's really cool that we now have multiple countries doing multiple batches of a lot of the science is overlapping so there's a lot of good opportunity for scientific collaboration um research and 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 and, and uh cooperation uh, to go forward and whether or not that's actually what happens um i a lot of people are, are hypercritical of and this goes both ways. NASA's exclusion of Chinese and of Chinese astronauts on the space station versus China's general pall of uh, of quiet and secrecy over essentially all of their space program. Um, whether or not you know this could be the beginning of perhaps maybe at some point. Hey, can we look at your notes? Kinda that kind of thing. Hopefully, we can get to that point uh, mm -hmm. because as things stand now, they're okay, but they could certainly be better. It would be interesting if all of a sudden there was a robot war on Mars. That'd be fun. Very, very slow and very boring. Hmm. Uh, Glenn sends in a great text. It would take text. hours to get to get commands and images. And anyway, <laughs> Glenn says this though. He says that would be Mars is the only planet completely occupied by robots. That's interesting. I mean, Moon that's probably, true. but it's it's not a planet, right? So, yeah, the Moon is not a planet, but that's true. Mars right now is the only. You know, rock 
big enough to be called a planet that is entirely inhabited by robots. Cool. Uh, living and dead, because all the dead robots that we've left up there are still there, which is kind of sad to think about. Yeah, well, that is sad. And all the recycling opportunities, that's for sure. All right, so if we're done with the um, other Mars rover, Mars and Mars. Uh, you're still not going to count for us in uh, Mandarin. No, I'm not going to count uh, for you in Mandarin. Let's move on to uh, Virgin Galactic and what they've been up to. Uh, if you have money, we now have uh, proven... Uh, orbital flight capacity um, from Virgin's, uh, what do I call it? Essentially an airline. <laughs> this is really what it is. It's just an airline now. Um, so Virgin Galactic last week uh, completed its first ever space flight from Spaceport America. And if you didn't know that America had a spaceport that wasn't Cape Canaveral, now you do. Uh, oh. Spaceport America is an entirely civilian uh, built, funded, uh, ding dang dilio in the New Mexico desert. Um, and as a result, uh, New Mexico is now the third U.S. state that has launched humans into space. Um, but basically what Virgin Galactic's whole thing is, uh, is they have a tiny kind of mini rocket that they fly up underneath the wings of a uh, an absolutely gigantic plane. Um, it goes up to, you know, 40,000 feet, and then a, high up in the atmosphere, it kind of drops the little rocket plane thing, and the plane goes, all right, have fun. And the rocket plane kind of fires up its engines, and it goes up into space for a little bit and comes back down. And eventually this will be a, uh, well, this will be what uh, Richard Branson and, and company hope will be um, a tourism opportunity, kind of like what uh, wannabe Bond villain Jeff Bezos' uh, Blue Origin is trying to do. Um, with his uh, new Shepard capsule, where <clears throat> it's a space, it's a it's, well, really, it's a spacecraft built for tourism. The windows are huge, the amenities are nice, it's very comfy looking. And you compare that to the Soyuz launches and even the shuttle launches, um, and it's just a, it really is a user focused, almost comfort thing um, that they hope to. Uh, kind of put forward here. And now, of course, SpaceX's uh, Dragon capsule is very shiny with all the touchscreens. Uh, but that isn't really meant for commercial use yet. It certainly will be in the future. Um, but this flight is... A, it's a big deal because this really now opens the door. Uh, Virgin Galactic has been knocking on, um, knocking on the door of commercial space flight for what feels like years and years because it has been. Um, they've been trying to crack this shell for, you know, a decade and more. Um, and there have been a lot of setbacks. A couple of them have been fatal for Virgin Galactic. They've they've unfortunately lost test pilots um, doing this. And, this, you know, it's a reminder that space is difficult. Um, but they finally were able to, you know, take off from Spaceport, uh, uh, Spaceport America. It's such a cool name. Um, and they were able to, and VSS Unity were able to get into space. Um, and a really fun fact here, um, the pilot of, uh, the pilot in command, I should say, is now the first person ever to have flown to space from three different states, uh, in America, uh, being, you know, Florida, Wallops in Virginia and, uh, New Mexico. Um, so that's also really interesting, but this is really just the first in a line of what I see as this slow, but tentative push to get, of the super rich and people with really nothing more to do with their hunks of money uh, into space tourism. And I'm hoping that it makes them better people. Will it? 
I don't know. But uh, the overlook effect is apparently very po uh, powerful. Seeing the earth, um, you know, as this thing below you that everything that ever has been and everything that will likely, you know, be in, you know, a large part will ever be on that rock below you. Uh, it's mm. apparently in a, a really profound uh, uh, psychological event for people. Uh, so that's what I hope comes out of it. But I think what will really come out, come out of it is a lot of rich people with a lot of money, uh, uh, you know, taking these uh, really, really hyper expensive space joy rides um, in, in, into, into space. And that's what's happening. So, you know, if in case you missed it, uh, lots of robots on Mars. And now we've got more rich people going to space. It just keeps happening. There is a website that is virgingalactic.com that has a registration page, by the way, uh, that you can sign up. And here's what it says verbatim. Your journey. The only private individuals to travel to space so far have paid tens of millions of dollars. Please note that. Although we have not yet announced final pricing, we will be charging more than $250,000 per yep. ticket offered to those who signed up early. How much would you be willing to pay for your personal journey to space? goes up to $1 million plus. How many seats might you be interested in purchasing? You can charter, by the way, a whole plane if you would like. And how did you hear about us? There is no Andrew C. Ferreira on the list. Disappointing. Dang it. And then you sign up for their mailing list if you want to go to space, Andrew. I mean, I do want to go to space, but I'm going to wait till uh, I can afford a daily uh, avocado toast before I can get there. Disclaimer, I don't even like avocado toast. Um, yeah. And I do want to do one more thing here. Um, okay. Because I feel like we can all benefit from a bit of citizen science. Um, early Wednesday morning, Wednesday, so about tomorrow and a half from now, um, there's going to be a lunar eclipse. Um, and this will be the first uh, total one in about two years. And lunar eclipses are just when the Earth is between the moon and the sun. So when you look at the moon in the sky, it's this super creepy blood red, like something is cursed and you're going to die. Or some witches are, are, are summoning something. I guarantee you it's fine. Probably. Um, so this will be happening again, May 26th. That's now tomorrow across the country as we cross over um, into the future. Um, and, you know, depending on where you are, uh, Western Canada is going to be the best place to spot this as it as it tracks across. But different parts of the country uh, as it goes in southern latitudes uh, and as you push a little bit towards uh, the prairies, we'll see bits and pieces of it, you know, weather dependent. Um, but it's really interesting, and here's one of my favorite facts uh, about eclipses, both solar and lunar. Um, and I'll give you a tip on remembering which one is which after this. But the fact that we can see eclipses at all is actually a complete coincidence based on the fact that in the sky, the moon and the sun happen, completely happen, to be the exact same apparent size. So if we were around, say, 10 million years ago, uh, the moon would have been closer to Earth. The moon is slowly pulling away from the Earth in its orbit. And so, you know, 10 million years ago, the moon wouldn't have totally covered the sun. Or it would have over... Oh, it would have, sorry, it would have completely blotted out the sun. You wouldn't see that cool little ring around the moon you see in solar eclipses. And really? 10 million years from now, the moon will be too small. And we'll, you know, it won't be the same kind of effect. So we live in quite literally the right place at the right time to be able to see these things. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? To think that... Uh, so what happens with if the... If the moon goes away, what happens with all the tides and all bad. those things? Bad. Bad. <laughs> Very bad. 
huh. there's a lot of theories that suggest that the only reason life exists is because we've had a moon. Um, having its pull on the Earth has kind of kept the inner core nice and warm and liquidy, um, which in turn keeps our magnetic fields going, which in turn protects us from deadly solar radiation. Uh, but that's hmm. just a theory. And right, I was going to say, if you want to remember the difference between a lunar and a solar eclipse, if you want to sound smart to all the people you talk to every day, I don't talk to anyone. Um, the thing that's being like a lunar eclipse, it's the moon that's being eclipsed by something. In this case, it's the Earth. And in the solar eclipse, it's the Earth being eclipsed, uh, the sun's being eclipsed by the moon. So whatever is attached to the eclipse is the thing that's being eclipsed by another body. So if you ever, you know, find yourself in a pinch and need to remember the difference between a lunar and solar eclipse, I've got your back. There it is. Uh, the passcode for your cage is not 1234. Just thought I would let you know in case you were wondering. Andrew C. Ferreira and Weird Science. Thank you, brother, for giving us the insights on the space things. I do like the space things. It's very true. Back in your cage, sir. It's the Shift Podcast. Because we need to bring Disco Andy onto the Shift. Yeah. That's right, baby. Time to get on the floor. Disco Andy, Handy Andy Barrar. It is time for us to uh, check in and find out what's going on in the world of uh, technology meets DIY meets gardening uh, here on the Shift. Andy, how are you? I'm I'm good. You're uh, you're in Vancouver. Your garden is way further ahead. Considering my furnace ran again today. Although I will tell you, today in Calgary, where I broadcast from, we had our first day of rain in 2021. Now it's not that it hasn't rained before, but this is the first day that it has rained for a day, like all day, so far this year. So that's the amazing difference between the climate across this country. But you're on the West Coast. Uh, tell us about your community garden that you've planted for all the neighbors. It's so weird, Shane, because I had started this community garden during the winter time. I started reading about gardening and I learned about cold crops, how you can start certain vegetables like lettuce, kale, and spinach super early and plant them outside. Now they might not grow, but they'll just kind of just like stay put. And as soon as the weather turns and gets a little bit warmer, they'll start growing right away. So I did that as an experiment. I transplanted them. I grew them indoors first in my little uh, indoor raised kind of uh, LED system that I have to grow from seeds. From there, I transplanted them around mid-February, March. And right now in May, May long weekend, they were ready to harvest. So a lot of it, lettuce, the kale, the spinach, um, you know, I've been picking from this community garden. Here's the problem, Shane. I have so much food there. I want to put the sign up saying, you know, like free you pick. But my neighbor, she convinced me not to do it because she's worried that someone's going to go there and just clean house as soon as mm -hmm. they see like the sign. candy ball on Halloween, right? Yeah, so I, I'm 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 kind of wondering. I want to ask Canadians. Like, I I want to inherently think people are good that you wouldn't take all of these vegetables away. However, I think my neighbor makes a good point. So I was just kind of hoping people would steal it. You know, like take a little bit while they're on their daily walks. Um, but I don't know. What do you What do you think? What do you think I should do? Well, I'd like to think that nobody will come in and steal it. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if somebody did. And I think that sucks uh, to think that that's, um, that that's a case. I think it would be really great to be able to take it and return it to the, to the neighbors or 
a shelter with food or something. I mean, you know, if you're a homeless person and you're hungry, I don't even know if you get excited about kale, but I'm guessing that, um, you know, somebody would appreciate it. Yeah, well, you know, I've been talking to a lot of my neighbors. Actually, they've been talking to me because they always see me outside doing yard work when it's nice out. And they just kind of sit there and stare. Now, if anybody of the listeners want to see what it looks like, just go to my website, handyandymedia.com. Go to the blog section and you'll, you'll see all these crazy DIY projects I've been doing during social distancing. But the community garden, like people, you know, I got to say vegetables. I know a lot of people like growing flowers. But I just love to grow vegetables because they actually will turn into they'll flower after you know they're they're kind of done their their harvesting time. So if you just let them be, they will turn to flowers and they look pretty. So I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm I know a lot of people like flowers, but I, man, I'm just really into these green vegetables, yeah. Shane. I think it's cool. Uh, if you can check your phone, I did send you a picture while I explained the next piece. I sent you a picture of my largest pineapple. I had to replant it into a bigger pot this weekend because it's time for it to move Whoa. outside. And um, so I, it's big, right? That's massive. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This, now it's sitting on a tote and like a Rubbermaid tote and it's in a pot and it's, you know, it's probably five feet. So on the ground, it's probably a solid three and a half feet feet tall um and pretty amazing so that's and my how old uh, is how old is that plant that one's two years so wow. it could flower that i'm hoping it flowers this summer but because it grows inside all winter i'm assuming that it's stunted and gonna take longer so i'm yeah. hoping that this one last summer just in the middle of the summer all of a sudden just went and got huge and then this winter in the last two months it just started growing like mad so um, this is an offshoot. So that that one is a Costa Rican pineapple that was a pineapple from the grocery store that I cut the top off it, reseeded wow. it. And what happens when you cut the top off it, it actually, it, that plant still dies, but it grows a little offshoot into a new plant. And so that one actually, when I took it apart, you could still see the original kind of root of the old one. It was pretty much all gone now, rotted away, but you can see how it provides the nutrients for the new plant. And I had three other ones that have split into, and I, four other ones that had split and created new offshoots as well, even though they're still growing, they've done that. And I split two of them. So we'll see. Maybe there's even more. How did you learn to do this anyways? Uh, same way as you, DIY guy. Just uh, did some learning online and some reading online and watched some videos. And there's all kinds of different ways to do this. And I had heard that you could regrow them kind of like onions. You just take onions and put them in water and... You know, once you're done with them, just keep the, the base and then you'll start to regrow onions and garlic. You could do it with too. And then so I just started doing playing with it. And I love pineapples and I, I've had pineapples, but I've never grown one from zero to flower to pineapple. So that's my goal. So and it you takes know, it's gonna take three or four years just to get one. One thing I'm finding real I'm really enjoying about gardening is when you get out of your comfort zone and start growing stuff that you've not haven't grown before. So for instance, I am now a blueberry, a micro blueberry farmer. During the, the long weekend, I my friend was taking down an old fence. He had all these cedar panels. I was like, just drop them off of my driveway. He did. And I created these little raised beds for blueberry bushes. And, and the reason I've been doing a lot of research on blueberries, you know, typically you'll see a blueberry farm and that's all they grow. That's because blueberry bushes do not like to grow beside anything else. Um, they like a low pH. So very acidic around 4.5 to 5.5. So I created this raised bed 
just for blueberry bushes. And guess what, Shane? I met, I made friends through a friend with a blueberry farmer, went to his blueberry farm. He's getting a new variety and he gave me 10, 10-year-old blueberry bushes for $60. So I am just winning right now. Not only did I create these raised beds, but now I got these 10-year-old blueberry bushes transplanted. And again, go to my website. You got to check it out. It's like a little micro blueberry farm. And I've done all the work. I just got to keep the soil acidic. And one of the big tricks is to use sawdust. That's what all the blueberry farmers use. They use sawdust because sawdust will make your soil more acidic naturally over time. So just between that and pruning the blueberry bushes, I think I'm going to get a lot of harvest and I'm going to just freeze them and then use them year round. So you know, I went from growing vegetables to blueberries. So it's uh, maybe pineapples one day. Maybe that'll be the next thing. Yeah, you got to be patient, brother. Got to be real patient with the pineapples. With blueberries, I remember blueberries because in Fort McMurray, they grow very, they're wild up there. And just going and looking for, and they were so easy to find. And there were so many of them. We come home with buckets filled. That's one of the best. Boy, you're looking for a good family thing to do. Uh, that's fantastic if they do grow natively and where you're from. HandyAndyMedia.com. Quickly before we go, let's get a little tech here with the baby strollers that you've been looking at. Tell us about that. Yes. Yeah, so I am like reviewing right now what could best be described as the Tesla of baby strollers. It's from a company in Germany called Cybex and it's called the E-Prime. And basically what this does, it has sensors on the handlebars. And when you're pushing, it can sense that you're struggling, say going uphill, and will actually have a motor built in that will give you a little bit of assistance up that hill. So if you got a, a newborn and you're going up a steep incline, this this stroller is going to help push you. Now, when you go downhill, it even gives you braking support, so you don't have to hold the uh, you know the stroller as you're going down. It will actually slow it down. So a lot of cool safety features. It just shows that. You know, we went from e-bikes to electronic strollers and the baby market is crazy, Shane. If you look at it, there is just so many mm-hmm. of these luxury products because these manufacturers know people will pay good money for these products, especially when they have their, their first child. Not only the parents, but the grandparents as well. So they take advantage of that by making these new innovative products. Well, when we had the babies, there was the chariot was the big new thing because you could use it as a stroller you could use it as a trailer and basically strollers were a hundred bucks a couple hundred bucks and then the chariot was like 1500 bucks made of aluminum super fancy everything else but you had to have the chariot you had to have the coolest things and we got sucked into it too now turns out there's such a demand that you really don't lose much when you sell it on the other end if you take care of it so there is that benefit too pedal assist bikes are a big thing so i get that um, you know, but really, do you need pedal assist for a stroller? <laughs> on the other end of it, though, braking? I can see why that could come in handy if you're not holding on to the handle and you actually like your kid and don't want them to roll away. Yeah, and it's, uh, it, it's really funny how you're seeing these kind of tech products merge into things that you would not normally associate, like a stroller. I thought it would have been more like a push lawnmower, like it would just kind of propel you forward. But it, it really... It, it almost uses an algorithm to detect if you're kind of struggling pushing it and then it will just give you that little bit of assistance. But you're right. I'm really wondering if parents are going to want this feature because right now they don't even know it exists. So mm. time will only tell if this really picks up or not. A uh, text comes in, um, put frozen blueberries in with your cornflakes, makes the milk really cold and tasty. Uh, another text comes in and says, 
when the clothes, when the blueberries start to get ready, cover them with netting so the birds and squirrels yep. don't get them, and yep. steal them all. That's you. what I've been hearing. Yeah. Um, there's another text that comes in says, I help with community gardens. And unfortunately there are many people that will help themselves to the veggies that aren't ready for harvesting yet. And they often take more than they need, but there are honest people out there that will just take as much as needed. So there is a little bit of hope for your community garden out there too. HandyAndyMedia.com If you want to go check out the website and uh, find out that everything that disco Andy is up to still no movies on the, uh, on the disco dancing still just with a skipping rope, maybe one day. Maybe one day. We can always wish. Okay. Butterfly collar, polyester suit. I don't even know how Do I got this disco. From that one night of storytelling was, from Las Vegas. It was Mike Yanni. Mike Yanni <laughs> yeah. finked you out and uh, told stories of Vegas. So I, I um, thought what happens in Vegas is supposed to stay in Vegas. Apparently uh, he not. didn't give me details. He didn't give me any details. You gave us all the details. All oh. I said was what happened at Vegas. And then you fessed up. So uh, it's great to see your face, buddy. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.